Oklahoma softball playing for a Big 12 championship this weekend. Things are starting to heat up recruiting-wise, both on the prep level and in the transfer portal, both for football and basketball. I'm going to give you two reasons why I believe Oklahoma football will be better in 2023 than it was in 2022. Welcome to the Sooner Nation podcast. Oklahoma softball off to a great start right now as I'm recording, hosting the Kansas Jayhawks as Sooners leading 4 to nothing off of back to back to back home runs in the second inning this game right now top of the fourth Kansas at bat um it would be 11 straight 11 straight I guess 11 straight would be consecutive wouldn't it it'd be 11 straight big 12 regular season championships for the University of Oklahoma obviously we'll have more on that after the weekend wraps up but the Sooners if they get a sweep of the Jayhawks we've talked about this in the previous podcast if they get a sweep of the Jayhawks they win the regular season championship. Bedlam won't matter. If they take two of three, they win at least a share of the Big 12 title going into next weekend in Bedlam. Oklahoma football picks up its uh, its sixth verbal commitment for the class of 2024. Zion Kearney, wide receiver out of Missouri City, Texas. Now, this is important because he's the he is now the highest rated recruit uh, in Oklahoma's 2024 class, a class that now is in the top 25. Uh, number 63 nationally overall prospect for the class of 2024, the number 12 wide receiver prospect in the class, and the number 12 overall prospect from the state of Texas. And there's He's 6'3", 195, which, which tells you uh, there's definitely a type, a, a body type or a type of receiver that this recruiting staff, this coaching staff is recruiting. They're, they're going after tall guys, or they're going after guys who are just blazers, all right? So you either got to have uh, a frame that gets you above six foot, like in Kearney is 6'3", 195, or you take guys like uh, like KG Daniels, who's in this class. He's 5'9", 150. Um, a lot of made was made last week about Brennan Thompson transferring over from the University of Texas. He's 5'9", 165. But what those two guys have in common is those guys are world-class speed. I mean, they're, they're track guys playing football. And so they this this staff, they either want you to be prototypical size-wise, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, 6'4", plus, or they want you to be Hollywood Brown in the fact that you can stretch a defense um, not because of what you can do going up vertically, but because of what you can do uh, with your speed and they have to roll a safety over you and play deep coverage uh, just because of what you're able to do. Now that's six commitments for the 2024 class in Oklahoma. Number they're, they're by 24/7 Sports. Uh, they're ranked number 23 nationally, and they're going to keep climbing because uh, obviously with six commitments, you're a long way from from being done. Oklahoma in on a lot of kids. This is a process that's going to go through the summer into the fall, and and you know my, my stance has changed so much on recruiting um, over the last couple of years. Where I you know you love it, you love to see Zion Kearney. Um, jump into this class, but you don't get super, super, super excited about it until December rolls around. And then you get that, uh, that letter of intent. And if they decide not to do the early signing period, then it's just worry city until February rolls around. So everything has changed a lot, um, with, with the way we follow recruiting and honestly, the way we report on it, but 
six commitments. I think you look at um, for commitments number seven, uh, maybe maybe um, Joseph Jonah Ajonier, uh, the uh, four-star defensive lineman, 6'4", 255. Or, or there's another receiver out there that OU is really, really high on, and apparently he's – He's really high on them. Bryant Wesco, uh, 6'2", 180, four-star receiver. So, obviously, ranked number 23, this is a class that just a couple of weeks ago was, I think, in the 50s. So, um, with the prospects that are coming in and committing, they're going to keep climbing. Um, and and it's, not just, it's not just good news on the recruiting show in terms of what football is doing. Porter Mosher gets his fourth transfer. Um, and I don't know. I don't know 100% how to say this name. I think it's Latre. Latre Harthard, um, shooting guard out of Utah Valley, 6'4", 180 pounds, 13.8 points per game last season. Impressive. He shot 42.5% from the floor. And what if you're Mosier, what, what's good about this is now you're 6-for-6. Six six. You lost six guys to the portal. We've talked about those guys. We won't. We won't continue to talk about them uh, because it's just beating a dead horse. But but you've lost six, and now and now you've gained six. Uh, when you look at the four guys that are coming in on the transfer portal, you look at the two guys that are coming in from the prep level. By the way, top 100 guys coming in from the prep level, and and I don't think Mosier's done because well he he doesn't need to be done. I I think I think if he's done, then um, there's probably not a good sign. Because I, he still needs to get size. You got the big kid out of pit, uh, but I, they they they've got to. And he's bigger. I mean, he is bigger than Tanner Groves. I believe he's more athletic than Tanner Groves based on what I saw on film. Uh, but um, I like Sam Godwin. But you need more than Sam Godwin behind um, a guy like that. So Moses probably not done. Probably still looking uh, to add some height down underneath the basket. And um, and that's the thing. If I'm an, if I'm an OU fan. Uh, I'm probably going to um, keep looking in in that area. Um, we got true or false in this segment, not in this segment. We got true or false coming up later on in a, in a few segments. Uh, I'm gonna give you two reasons why I think OU uh, football will will be better in 2023. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. Oklahoma football producing a six and seven record in Brent Venable's first year as the head man for the Sooners. I'm curious though. To me, the low point of the season. I'm curious how other people feel about this. For me, the the low point of the season was the back-to-back losses TCU and Texas, just because of of the how bad they lost. I mean, 55 to 24 to TCU. Of course, everybody knows 49 to nothing to Texas. But it, it's a it's a season that kind of had its had its streaks, you know. You start out with the win over UTEP, Kent State. You go to Lincoln, Nebraska. You get that win, and then you drop three in a row: Kansas State, TCU, Texas. And again, that's just to me the worst stretch of the season. You come back, you beat you beat Kansas, you beat Iowa State. You drop a three point game to Baylor, a three point game to West Virginia. You 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 surprise Oklahoma State for Bedlam, and then you drop a three point game uh, to Texas Tech before ultimately dropping a three point game to Florida State in the Cheese It Bowl. And so some people, some people, the three point losses are are more heartbreaking to me. It's just the blowouts are are incredibly frustrating because. You're never going to convince me. You're never going to convince me that TCU was 31 points better than Oklahoma. I know they made the college football playoff and advanced to the championship game. I get that. 
but they're not 31 points better than the University of Oklahoma was last year. And no, no way Texas is 49 points better than Oklahoma. But that's that's what the scoreboard says. And so Oklahoma fans go into the offseason really kind of frustrated, disappointed, some people with some some fear, uh, anxiety. Can Brent Venables turn this around and have a rebound year in 2024? Now, we, we I think we have to come up with our own definition of what rebound year is because because look if, if OU comes out and goes seven and six just flip that 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 those numbers instead of six and seven they go seven and six they win the Cheez It Bowl uh, in 2024 technically that is a better year than what the first year was I said 2024 2023 technically that's that was a that's a better year than what we saw in 2022. But the reality is for a lot of Oklahoma fans, and I think myself included, to really, really feel like this program is SEC ready, they they have to go and at least compete. They have to compete for the Big 12 title. I, I, preferably they win the Big 12 title, but make it go into that final weekend against TCU. Make that be the, the, the determining factor. You, you miss out by one game, Okay, well, you've made improvements. You go and you you play in the Big 12 title and you lose that game. Okay, you've made improvements. You win the Big 12 title and you're competing. You find yourself competing um, in you know in, in, for a spot in the playoff. Maybe you don't make the playoff. Maybe you do. Maybe you get a New Year's Six Bowl game. Those are the type of things that really will turn this program around in the mindset of a lot of the fans. Um, maybe the administration, maybe some of the coaches, maybe some of the players – but I do think I do think this team will be better in 2023, and I think there's 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 numerous reasons why you can bank I think on Oklahoma rebounding this fall. One of those reasons is going to be the um, it, and again this is going to be this is going to be something that that's debatable because I'm going to make some of you guys pause and take a, a big breath here. But one of those reasons is going to be Dylan Gabriel. He is the most experienced quarterback returning in the Big 12. Not just on this team. Now, we know what the quarterback situation was like on this team in 2022. But in 2023, he is your top quarterback going into the preseason. More experience, be it in the Big 12 or be it in college in general. This is the guy that that Oklahoma, th- their season is going to ride on the shoulders of Dylan Gabriel and 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 for some people that's an immediate turnoff. For me it's not, but you know, it is what it is. But but let me give you not not named Dylan Gabriel. Let me give you two reasons why I believe this team will rebound in 2023 and be better than what we saw last last fall. The first reason is what Brent Venables and his staff has done through the recruiting out of the prep level and and out of real to me, more importantly, even is out of the portal. Now there were some guys coming from the prep level, PJ Adabari and so forth, that looked really, really good last weekend in the spring game. I mean, there, there, there are some guys that that really have some pep in their step, if you know what I mean. This is the number number four class in the nation by 24/7 Sports, and and I think the most important thing that prep level recruiting did was give Oklahoma depth at quarterback. I think if you have any solid depth at quarterback, you don't lose 49 to nothing to Texas. 
you don't lose by 31 points at TCU. But the fact that this quarterback room was absolutely empty beyond the starter, that was a big factor. That was a huge factor. And and you're going to put five-star recruit Jackson Arnold in, into that into that room now. I think he proved to everybody at the red-white game that he is QB number two as this team hits the summer. And I don't expect anything to change. Now, again, I'm not going to jump in on the debate whether Jackson Arnold should be QB1 because I don't think there is a debate there. I've said it before. I've said it again. I said it when he well, I said it when he committed. I said it when he signed the letter of intent. I said it when he came on campus. The only quarterback battle that Jackson Arnold is involved in right now is the, bot, the battle for, for QB number two. Now, you, you take a, a concussion again for Dylan Gabriel. You take some kind of other injury. And let's be honest, his, his collegiate career has shown this guy gets injured. And now you have a fallback. Now you have a fallback at the QB2 spot. But didn't, didn't you look at what they did through the portal? They've got a top 10 transfer class through the portal. And, and there, there's guys like uh, on, on both sides of the ball. You, you've, got, um, you've got Trace Ford coming from Oklahoma State. You've got Reggie Pearson coming from Texas Tech. Uh, offensively, you got Austin Stogner, you got Andrell Anthony. You, most recently, you got Brennan Thompson coming from the University of Texas. Now, there, there's help coming that will be immediate plug and play type help. I mean, all, all of those guys that I mentioned, and then some. I mean, th- there's there's a lot of guys in that portal that are going to play significant time for the University of Oklahoma, and they're going to add depth, and they're going to be starters, they're going to add weapons. And Stogner and and Anthony and Thompson, those those three guys right there, those three guys will spend a lot of time on the field and they will make Dylan Gabriel's game even better than what it was. Well, Marvin Mims is going to go in the NFL. I get it. I get Marvin Mims. I get it. He's not there. And even if he was, I mean, you stack, in my opinion, you add these three guys and you stack this receiving room against the receiver room for 2022, this receiver room is superior. With all due respect to Marvin Mims, he'll go in the second round of, of, of this weekend's NFL draft. But what they've done to boost this roster, over 20, 24, 25 new players, I don't think they're done. I think they're probably still looking for a, um, probably still still looking for an offensive lineman after we saw the lack of depth in the spring. I, I mean, I, they're not they're not finished, in my opinion. At least they're not finished fishing. They may not catch anything else, but they're going to keep fishing. So, so the number one reason I, I think this team will, will be better in 2023 is because what they've done to rehaul this roster. Th- then, I think you look at the schedule. And this is a very beneficial schedule that favors the University of Oklahoma in many ways. No Baylor. That was a loss in 2022. No Kansas State. That was a loss in 2022. No Texas Tech. That was a loss in 2022. You get Iowa State, West Virginia, TCU. You get all those games in Norman. Now, of those three teams, TCU is the only one that beat Oklahoma, and and you're going to end the season by hosting the Horned Frogs the day after Thanksgiving, but those are going to be all home games for the University of Oklahoma. This schedule sets up very well for OU to pick up a couple, just on the schedule alone, I think, 
to pick up a couple of more wins than what they had in 2022. And yeah, there's going to be controversies. This this Dylan Gabriel Jackson Arnold thing, that's not dying out. That's not going that's not going away anytime soon. And there's going to be letdowns. You're going to have that game. OU has had forever that game where you think either how did that game end up being so close to Lane 2021 or how in the world did they lose that game? Kansas State 2022. OU's always going to have that type of game until they prove they can't. I mean, they, they, they've had that. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. They've had that type of game every year since 2021. Think about it. It's been, it's, we're going into the 2023 season. The year 2000 was the last time Oklahoma ran the schedule unscathed. So there's going to be controversies. There's going to be letdowns. But remember, this is a team that lost four games by just a field goal. And then you have the blowout losses that we talked about, TCU, Texas. Those are without key personnel. And and I think you fall back to the Cheez-It Bowl. Again, you've got key personnel not playing in that game. Eric Gray, not in that game. Several offensive linemen, not in that game. Several defensive stars, not in that game. And you lose. You lose by a field goal, which was kind of the, the theme of the season. But but you lose by, I don't know, I don't, I really don't know how, to, you, you kind of flash the future, right? You come out of that game expecting to have lost worse than what you did, so you feel positive. Even though you lose, it kind of gives you positive vibes going into the, the winter and into the spring, positive vibes coming out of the spring. So yeah, I, I think I think we're in a good spot as a fan base. I, I think they are in a good spot as a team. This is make no mistake about it. Brent Venables, he's saying all the right things, appears to be doing all the right things. But this is a big year. This is a big year for Brent Venables. There will be guys and gals, I guess, who jump off the bandwagon if this thing goes south again. It'll happen. There are people who jumped off the bandwagon after after year one. Fire Jeff Levy, fire Brent Venables, fire them all. Wait till we get wait wait <laughs> wait till we get to true or false. The very first true or false statement. It's it's about an assistant coach. So so yeah, it, it, I mean it, it it is what it is. I mean we we see it, uh, we we live it. Um, but that's what makes us passionate, and the expectations are always going to be in high, Norman. They're always going to be high. They're, they're seldom going to be unrealistic. I mean, this isn't a fan base that's that's like the one in College Station or the one in South Bend. But the high the high ex, the expectations are high, but they're also realistic because let's face it, oh, you should be better. They should be better than six and seven, and I believe that they will be in the year 2023. True or false? That's our favorite part. It's coming up next, and you guys are the stars. All right, it's time for the favorite part of the podcast, true or false. You give me a statement, I tell you whether it's true or whether it's false and why. Man, you guys are getting really, really good at this, and um, you're making it making it so, so difficult. Um, you can participate in future podcasts, hitting us up on Twitter, at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Just say, hey, true or false, and give me your statement. Uh, a lot of you guys are reaching out to us by email nowadays, which is 
awesome. Uh, Heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Uh, you can always find us on the internet, heartland-sports.com as well. Um, we got five statements this week that we picked out of, uh, out of the ones that were submitted. Um, one of you guys throwing out some Clippers uh, trash talk to me because the Clippers were bounced from the NBA playoffs. Uh, doesn't bother me because, look, I'm a Clippers fan. I'm used to that kind of stuff. But um, I didn't include your true or false statement. But, hey, um, Clippers fans are jaded, all right? Here we go. This is all about Oklahoma uh, as usual. We're going to start with Brian. Brian's taking some issue here. Brian says, true or false, Todd Bates is struggling to keep up in recruiting. Um, I, I, I think false. And, and I think it's I think it's. Honestly, Brian, I think it's too early to say whether a person is struggling, whether they're on par, whether they're way ahead. I, I think when you look at Oklahoma's staff, Emmett Jones clearly is is living the dream. I mean, wide receiver coach, he's he's doing a fantastic job. DeMarco Murray doing a fantastic job. But when we look at this coaching staff, and there's actually a couple of uh, questions here about the coaching staff, you got to be careful how you compare uh, a guy. Well, I mean, Emma Jones, yes. I mean, he's he's his M.O. has always been a solid recruiter. He's just been at Kansas and he's been at Texas Tech. Now he's recruiting at the University of Oklahoma. It's something he's always been good at, but he's having even more success because he's at the University of Oklahoma. But when you when you, you compare a guy like Todd Bates, and let's compare to example to DeMarco Murray and what's happening with Oklahoma's running backs. DeMarco Murray is a, is a mainstay. I mean, he, he's been here for a while. He, he graduated from the University of Oklahoma. He's an alumni. He played here. He played in the NFL. He you know, won the rushing title for the Dallas Cowboys. But you can't compare what DeMarco Murray is doing to what, the, what Todd Bates is doing because of how, how rooted – DeMarco Murray is at the University of Oklahoma and Todd Bates is in his second season. And I think a lot of this comes from OU not landing David Hicks and that last minute flip that happened uh, with the 2022 class. And anybody who follows recruiting, anybody who follows recruiting knows why David Hicks flipped. It wasn't because Todd Bates wasn't a good recruiter. It was because Todd Bates doesn't have oil money behind him getting those guys to come in. That's what that came down to. I think David Stone's recruitment is going to probably play into how we feel about Todd Bates as well. I, I think, you know, if you look at some some services have OU in good in good shape with David Stone. But at the end of the day, I, I think that's going to play a role. But David Stone's a guy who's living it up, man. And you really can't blame him. He's earned that right. I know he's starting to get on some some people's nerves, right? Just because of the social media game. But, I mean, you're, you're only 17, 18, 19 years old once. And if you can get the attention, you take it. And, I, I mean, I, he's just waiting to land that first that first big guy. And, I, I, again, I don't, I don't think it's... I don't think enough time has passed. And when you look at portal recruiting, Trace Ford, that, that's a big get. The the Bothroyd kid out of um, that came from from Wake Forest, we saw him at the spring game. He kind of turned some heads. A lot of people didn't know who he was. 
So he's done a good job at filling the gaps that need to be filled now. Jacob Lacey from Notre Dame. So he's got guys. Jacob Lacey, if I remember right, was a four-star recruit. Uh, I don't remember. I think Trace Ford was a four-star recruit in high school. Bothroyd, probably a a three-star recruit. But if I remember right, he was a four-star in terms of the transfer portal. So it's not like it's not like Todd Bates isn't getting anybody. He just hasn't landed David Stone yet, and he missed out on David Hicks. I don't know that I'm going to call that a struggle. I, I don't I don't know. So so Brian, I'm I'm respectfully going to disagree with you. This comes from Allen. Allen says true or false. There isn't a coach on the staff who prepares players for the NFL draft better than Bill Biedenboe. Man, here's the thing with Bill Biedenboe. I I think it's true, Alan, because when you look at the run that Oklahoma linemen are having in the NFL, it is nuts. It's absolutely nuts how well Oklahoma linemen are doing. And there's the the Jalen Hurts debate. Was he from Oklahoma? Was he from Alabama? I will tell you this. Roger Goodell, when he announced Jalen Hurts' draft, in 2020, the Philadelphia, he said the Philadelphia Eagles draft Jalen Hurts, quarterback, University of Oklahoma, something along those lines. But OU was mentioned, not Alabama. But you look at the quarterbacks in the NFL from the University of Oklahoma. You look at running backs in the NFL from, Oklahoma, from the University of Oklahoma. But really, man, what's happening with these linemen, it's nuts. Guys like Cody Ford, guy, you know, um, Creed Humphrey. And now you're adding Anton Harrison to a long, long list of guys that Bill Biedenboe has put into the NFL. But what really blows my mind, and I didn't even I didn't even realize this until Thursday night when the when the draft happened. Bill Biedenboe had not had a first round offensive lineman drafted until Thursday night. The 2023 draft was the first time he put a lineman from the University of Oklahoma in the first round of the NFL draft. And Anton Harrison, man, God bless you, brother. Just congratulations. I personally, if you looked at the website, I had Anton going in the second round. So the fact that he was able to get up there into the first round, that's fantastic. But yeah, I think think what, to me, a guy being a first round pick isn't, necessarily conducive of what their college coach is doing to prepare them for the NFL. Because a guy with the first round pick is usually the sexy pick. He's the guy, he's the biggest, he's the strongest. He, he's the guy that, you know, that everyone oohs and alls over from day one, they step on a, a college campus. These scouts start looking at them and they're sophomores and trying to talk them to coming out early after their juniors. Those aren't the guys really that, that show how a coach prepares. It's the guys that go beyond the first round that, that become mainstays. And that's what you're seeing from Bill Biedenboe's guys. The fact that he, there's so many offensive linemen from the University of Oklahoma that are starting in the NFL. And the, that Thursday night was the first time there, that there was a first round pick of an offensive lineman uh, from Bill Biedenboe. That tells you what he's doing to prepare guys. You may not go in the first round, but you're going to go and you're going to be there for a while if you come to me and let me coach you. 
Well, now he can say, hey, I can put you in the first round. Look at Anton Harrison. So I, I love it. I love what's happening. You know, the NFL draft, I, I think, uh, well, well, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to it because there's another question about the NFL draft uh, that we'll get to. Um, this comes from Tyson. Tyson says, OU softball dominating the Big 12, potentially locking it up before the final weekend shows us exactly how much better they are than they were last season. Um, okay, I got to be careful here, okay? Uh, because I, I don't want to come across negative. I am a softball homer with the University of Oklahoma. I, I love covering that sport. It is uh, next to football. It's my favorite sport to cover. Um, and I do agree. I, I do agree, Tyson. This is a team that is better than the one that was fielded in 2022. It's better than the one that was fielded in 2021. Uh, back-to-back national champions. They have a chance to three-peat. But you got to wait. You, you got to wait through May into June to see how that works. And, and the thing is, Tyson, I'm going to disagree with you for this one reason alone. I believe if, if Oklahoma, we, we talked about this at the top of the podcast, Oklahoma takes two of three from Kansas, they at least earn a share of the Big 12 title. If they sweep Kansas, they win the Big 12 title outright. And two weeks ago, I was talking about how Bedlam was going to decide the Big 12. I think what's happening with Big 12 softball really is more indicative of Oklahoma State taking a step back from 2022 than it is Oklahoma taking a step forward from 2022. Now, now don't, don't, don't misinterpret that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I do believe all around this is a better team than what was fielded in 2022. I do believe that. But the fact that this Big 12 championship is probably going to be locked up before Bedlam, even the first pitch is ever thrown in Bedlam, to me, that says more about Oklahoma State and their struggles, Texas and their struggles, than it does about how much of a step forward OU has taken from from, from one year to the next. So respectfully, I'm going to disagree with again with you, Tyson. Um, OU is good. They're really, really good. They're better than last year. But I don't think that's the reason why. I don't think that's the reason why the Big 12 championship is not going to come down to Bedlam. So Chris is going to take us back to the NFL draft. Chris says this: true or false? Once we see the number of players. Um, drafted from the University of Oklahoma, it's going to make 2022 even more disappointing. This is a loaded question, Chris. Uh, This is a loaded question because I I don't know. Personally, for me, I don't know that 2022 can get even more disappointing than what it was. I already talked about that that three-game stretch, Kansas State, TCU, Texas, the blowout losses to TCU, the blowout loss to Texas, the three-point losses, Four of them. I don't know that you can get even more disappointed than what I already am. So for me, on a personal note, I think I'm going to just say false because I just it is it's and I'm trying to move past 2022 full on into 2023. But I do think this is going to be a good draft for the University of Oklahoma. We already have Anton Harrison who went in the first round. I think guys that are that are guaranteed to get drafted. Marvin Mims is going to get drafted. Eric Gray is going to get drafted. Uh, I think Wanya Morris is going to get drafted. 
guys that, sh- that should get drafted that are possibilities. Um, I think Michael Turk should get drafted. Brandon Willis should get drafted. I think um, Deshaun White should get drafted. Chris Murray should get drafted. Jeffrey Johnson should get drafted. I think there's a couple of guys that are that are long shots, but they have a chance. Guys like Jalen Redmond. I mean, Jalen Redmond was given some information, some good information. That's why he came out. But guys like Jalen Redmond could get drafted. Uh, McCabe Matwire could get drafted. That That's a pretty good group of guys. What was it? I'm just trying to think. What, did I just list 10 or 11 guys? So somewhere between 6 and 11 guys maybe get drafted for the University of Oklahoma. That's that's good. But, I mean, I, I think what, what he's saying is you, you look at the talent that this team possessed on the roster and you lost seven games. But, but here's the thing, Chris. Here's where I'm at with this. Look at the guys that are getting drafted. Anton Harrison, offensive line. Great offensive line coach. Good unit. Solid. Uh, solid. Not great, but solid in 2022. Marvin Mims from a solid receiving core in 2022. Eric Gray, a solid running back core in 2022. I mean, these guys, Michael Turk, the punting game was good. The punting game was really good. 2021, 2022, Michael Turk did good. Braden Willis, offensive side of the ball. Eric Gray, offensive side of the ball. I mean, so there, there's a lot of guys that are going to get drafted, and they weren't the problem. They, they weren't the reason Oklahoma lost seven games in 2022. So, yeah, it's good to see this number of guys that, that go in the NFL, but it's not like those guys were the problem. It's not like they lost the seven games because they didn't have a great offensive line. They lost seven games because really there were struggles on the defensive side of the ball. There were struggles with some continuity issues offensively. But at the end of the day, none of these guys getting drafted played a role, a, a direct role. Like you, you can't pin a single loss on any of these guys that are getting drafted, in my opinion. And I, I do feel like there are situations and circumstances and, and personnel that you can pin some of those losses on. Some of those guys have moved on to the transfer portal, but that's that's for another day. Um, here's the very last one. It comes from Mark. I love it. Uh, I'm not going to jump into this a whole lot, uh, but Mark says this. Uh, true or false, Paul Feinbaum is an idiot. Now, I, this is this is a, a good this is a good way to end the podcast. Thanks, Mark. Um, you've heard it. There, there's no way you haven't heard it by the time you get to this podcast. Late in the week, Paul Feinbaum said earlier um, uh, on another podcast he was on, I have deep concerns for the trajectory of Oklahoma. I talked to a local columnist and I did not get a good vibe from that program. Seems to be a concern that in the aftermath of Lincoln Riley, they can put the pieces back together. Now, he had more to say, um, more to say about that. Um, the the videos out there um, or the audio is out there or the, the transcript is out there. Whatever you want, it's out there. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The local columnist has been um, 
I think has been vetted even by Paul Feinbaum to say he talked specifically. He said, I talked to Barry Trammell. Barry Trammell says, I never talked to Paul Feinbaum outside of his podcast. So what he's doing is this. What he's saying, okay, Mark, what he's saying may be idiotic, okay? Follow my logic here. What he's saying may be idiotic, but what he's doing is genius because it's the end of April. We're heading into the dog days of summer, and we're all talking about Paul Feinbaum. He's staying relevant. He's clickbaiting. He's getting the conversations going. It's on the airways. It's on the podcast. It's in print. Everyone's talking about Paul Feinbaum. So whether he has this direct quote from a columnist, whether that columnist was Barry Trammell, or whether that was the home cooking columnist for the Daily Oklahoman, I don't know who it was he talked to, if he even did talk to somebody. But the reality is we're all talking about Paul Feinbaum. And maybe he's what he said was idiotic, but what he did was pretty genius because he's staying again at the forefront of the college football conversation as we tra- change the calendar from April to May. That wraps it up for us. You can find us anywhere that you find podcasts. We're on uh, iHeartRadio. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're all over Spotify um, and so forth. Make sure you give us a, a subscription. If you like the podcast, follow it. If you don't like the podcast, thanks for giving it a try. You can find us on the internet, heartland-sports.com. You can find us on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, Hopefully Oklahoma wraps up this Big 12 championship. Hopefully we see lots more names called in the NFL draft, and we'll have some things to talk about as we head into next week. Boomer Sooner.